We said, hey, obviously you read the article. We understand it puts you in a tough place politically, practically. Is there anything we can do to help? And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, obviously this is a bit controversial. He said, it's not controversial with us. He said, we're Buddhists. We know that your religion has to be a part of your life. He said, it seems like you Christians are the one fighting with each other. I don't have a problem with it at all. He said, we're not a, we're not a secular country like you guys. And he was like, great, here's the paper. He signs it. Welcome to Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. Whether this is your first time with us or you've been with us for a while now, our desire is that by the end of our time together, you can say that you've fallen more in love with Jesus and have a greater passion for him and his purposes in the earth. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Hi, and welcome to the Passion and Purpose podcast. I'm here with Jimmy Seibert. My name is Drew Stedman. Excited to be talking with you today, Jimmy. And, uh, you know, I think we get a lot of questions on as we work around the world, as we seek to engage the needs of our community, right. what does it look like for us to put the gospel at the forefront and also serve those who are in need? I know personally it can get really overwhelming sometimes just figuring out sure. where to even start. So how do we make sense of all that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, uh, Jesus, uh, when he uh, began his ministry, he quoted Isaiah 61, right? That we're to preach the gospel to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, set the captives free. He was declaring this kind of prophetic thing of uh, uh, both the hands and heart of God that, hey, the gospel, this story of redemption for the heart of man, and the gospel, this story of redemption for all of man. Uh, is holistic and it's not one-dimensional. And so I think a lot of times we land in one camp or the other. Hey, the kingdom of God is all about doing good works. Uh, and the kingdom of God is about good works in the name of Jesus. Or the kingdom of God is all about just the heart in your eternal salvation or your sanctification in the inner man or your character. And the answer is yes to both. And so how do we as the people of God bring the kingdom of God to bear in places that are so desperate for uh, the kingdom in every aspect of it. And, and maybe the example that I'll use, uh, a little bit of a story uh, that I know many people are familiar with, was the tsunami that hit in uh, the end of 2004 and rolled over into those first days of 2005. And it was just devastating, right? I mean, in this tsunami not only was devastating just period, but it also hit some of the most impoverished places in the world. Right. Uh, the island of Sumatra, Banda Aceh up in Indonesia, it hit southern Sri Lanka, India. Uh, Thailand was a little more prosperous, but it hit not only uh, the poor naturally, but it hit the poor in spirit, people who were devoid of the gospel. So, man, talk about hopelessness not just practically, but they were also hopeless in their heart, right? Because their religions didn't offer hope for an eternal life. Uh, and so the devastation of their natural life was great. So the response is we go, right? We go to where people are desperate and we give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. We feed the hungry. If they don't have a house, we put a roof over their head all that is the kingdom of God. And whether they ever respond to our message of Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the way, Jesus to, of salvation, they still deserve the right to be served and cared for. And 
if we don't bring Jesus as Lord, if we don't bring salvation, if we don't bring uh, the fullness of God, then they're left with external help, but no hope for eternity mm. or hope in the present yeah. or actually any help for the present. So um, in this uh, tsunami response, we went to all those places, actually. And down in Sri Lanka, you know, there was this big debate going on among the Christian aid agencies. Is it right to preach the gospel and do good works to a Buddhist community? Um, you know, is that confusing for them? Is it an ulterior motive? Shouldn't we just give without the message, etc.? And my, my first response was, well, who are we? You know, like, as a person of God, uh, integrity, the word oh, definition of integrity is to live an integrated life. So for, my first deal is I can't not be a follower of Jesus as I give a cup of cold right. water. Uh, my message and my, and my uh, service are all attached. There's a reason I'm serving. There's a right. reason I'm loving. There's a reason I'm giving. And that reason is not just for me to be a good guy. That reason is so that I can have an eternal life so that whatever happens in this life, how devastating and painful that we've just experienced, I have hope for eternity, right? So we go in with both things and we're preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. Of course, if they don't want to respond, we leave them with the message and we leave them with love and prayer. But just and even more aggressively, we are helping rebuild their homes. We're helping educate their kids. We're helping them get online with everything that they need. And this one particular village where we focused in, um, it had been, uh, let's say, a village of roughly about 1,000 people, 800,000 people, a fishing village. Of course, they were right there on the beach when the tsunami hit. So half of their village is gone. Right, wow. half of the people, literally the loss of life. So 400 plus 500 or so people, friends, family, that alone, we could just sit and weep with them, right, for days on end. And their village is gone. It was too close to the ocean. So all their houses are gone. And so uh, we begin the process of saying, all right, what does the kingdom of God look like? And so immediately we began to help clear the rubble and we began to advocate with the local government because of our quote unquote power or ability to get to the top, if you will. We were able to get to the prime minister's office. These poor fishing village people, they didn't have the power. Yeah. So we used our power and influence or as Westerners or as those with resources, went straight to the prime minister, literally to him personally in a UN meeting and challenged him for this fishing village. And in a kind of a, you know, the sovereignty of God way, he didn't want to lose face. And the public and the cameras were on him when we were asking for land for this village. And the long story short, he gave us 29 acres of land that we were able to go back to this community and say, the government's given land. Hey, why don't we together rebuild your lives? And, um, and so we, we ended up rebuilding... Um, all of their homes for them and their families in very modest homes. We had, they were the workers. So literally we were able to pay them wages to rebuild their own village. Wow, it's amazing. While they got, and that allowed them to buy their boats back and begin to fish again, begin their industries, the cottage industries, etc. And the whole time we did it in the name of Jesus. And we held Bible studies and we offered salvation in Jesus. The interesting thing was in those early days, uh, after 
working there for a couple of years and literally living in the village hand by hand with these guys, I'd say maybe 15% responded to the gospel, but they were still our neighbors and our friends. So that whole idea of, oh, you're just doing it so that they get saved or that you get a notch in your belt. Hey, maybe somebody's doing that, but if you're a kingdom person, you're not doing that. Right. Right. You're, you're given Jesus. And of course, we prayed for every one of them to be saved, and we prayed for the sick, and we cared for them. We brought the kingdom, and they knew us to be people of God. So it wasn't that um, we were holding anything back, but it was holistic in nature. Now, here, here's the, actually the reason that we, we want to talk about this today is we got maligned by the, the Christian community that doesn't believe in doing both, both ends. And um, they had they they uh, did an article in the New York Times. New York Times guy came and looked at all the work going on at different uh, camps. And when he interviewed me, uh, I was kind of the last person he asked. He asked villagers questions and people and so on and so forth. And he interviewed me, and he said, uh, and he said, "Well, I don't agree with what you guys are doing." And I said, "Well, how's the work? You've been in twenty six different." camps that were trying to be restored. We were one of the 26. He said, oh, it's the best of any of the 26. And I said, so then what's the problem? He said, well, philosophically, I just don't think it's right for you to push your religion on people that already have a religion and a culture. I said, so we're talking about a philosophical difference, not a, not a work or a service or, a, a, you know, or excellence or care or love or whatever. I said, man, I, I don't know what else, you know, how I can help you, basically. And the way I explained it to him, I said, maybe, maybe you understand it this way. I said, we want to be a combination of Mother Teresa and Billy Graham. So Mother Teresa cared for the dying and the poor, many of them Hindu, and she loved them in the name of Jesus. I'm not, who knows who came to Jesus? Who knows who didn't? But she loved them because they were, it was, they were worth dying for, literally giving her life for. Billy Graham preached the gospel with clarity around the world that through Jesus alone you must be saved and all men must face their creator in the person of Jesus at death and they need to respond now. So I said, we want to be clear with our message, but our heart to be full. And, and again, I've shared this in another podcast, but let me just translate it to this situation. So this guy writes this New York Times article and on the front page of the New York Times on a Saturday morning, there's a picture of our people playing with kids in our village, and it says, is proselytizing right in the midst of devastation? And then they quote all of these Christian aid organizations who disagree with sharing the gospel and, <laughs> and, and do the deal. And, uh, and so I'm like, oh my goodness. So they go through this whole article. And actually what was going on at the time was the 29 acres had not been deeded over to us. We were just kind of clearing it and, and waiting for this actual sign-off. So it comes out Saturday in the U.S. Sunday, it's on the front page of the Sri Lankan Times. Oh, yikes. So it's in the newspaper of the nation. And we are meeting with the prime minister's brother on Monday to get the final sign off on the 29 acres. Oh, wow. And this comes, so we're thinking, okay, and this this is just an incredible story. And we're thinking, oh, we're sunk, right? Right. I mean, we have- Yeah, they're not gonna let us do it. Yeah, yeah, they're a Buddhist uh, a government. Yeah, right, okay, Madison. So we get to the office and, the, and we said, hey, obviously you read the article, we understand it puts you in a tough place politically, practically, is there anything we can do to help? 
And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, obviously this is a bit controversial. He said, it's not controversial with us. He said, we're Buddhists. We know that your religion has to be a part of your life. He said, it seems like you Christians are the one fighting with each other. I don't have a problem with it at all. He said, we're not a, <laughs> we're not a secular country like you guys. And he was like, great, here's the paper. He signs it. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. The Buddhist takes up for us because he understands an integrated life with your religion. And the secular, quote-unquote, Christian world separates it and the Buddhists don't understand. And obviously the Muslims don't understand either. They get it. They may kill you for your faith, but at least they respect you for your faith. Yeah, I've actually had Muslims tell me that before. They're yeah. like, why are you Christians always Balking. hiding your faith and yeah. not talking about it? Because for yeah. them, it's like, if that's who you are, it's who you are. And yeah. get it out on the table. Don't be... Exactly. You know, don't dance around it. Exactly. So uh, so anyway, this in this deal with Sri Lanka, right? So it ends up, we do the village, do the deal, so on and so forth. And, um, you know, and then out of it, uh, eventually, little house church emerges, and then we finally get a leader, and then we get some investment from our Indian friends. And, you know, today, these guys are flourishing and multiplying house churches, but the, the, the village is still, you know, predominantly a Buddhist village. And we're, we're still thankful to God for the opportunity, glad we loved them in the name of Jesus. They'll tell stories the rest of their life, and our hope is that everyone comes to Jesus. But we have no regret that exactly. the whole village didn't come to the Lord, but there's obviously huge fruit that remains. And, um, and so anytime we are doing social justice, social work, etc., as a believer, it must be integrated with the message of salvation, the message of sanctification, and really the message of God being with people, right? Because is we're helping people out of poverty, as we're helping people out of devastation, they, they, they have to have a counselor, not just us. We often talk about in social work, right? Hey, how do you empower the people to feel like they can own their, uh, uh, their health and their process? Right. And what re- well, th- there's, there's a, uh, a word for that, and it's called the Holy Spirit. Right? He's called the paraclete, the counselor, the one who walks beside. And so we say, walk beside people so that they can. I said, absolutely. I want to give them the Holy Spirit of God so that they have the counsel of God to help themselves ultimately. Because the answer is uh, for people to own their uh, uh, journey of health and uh, restoration. So I'm excited uh, more than ever uh, about what we're doing around the world to engage the poor, to engage crisis, to engage difficulty, because I believe so much in the integrated message, and um, and I think, and my experience is that most believers are doing one or the other, and God has called us to be both. Uh, church planning, disciple-making, empowering people, because the gospel uplifts the poor in every area of their lives. And the gospel done well with a motive of love restores, it cares about everything in everybody's life. It's not a segmented life. It's a holistic life. And when that's on display, man, people um, uh, realize the power of the gospel, right? Not just for eternity, but, but for all of life seems like with this whole conversation, our understanding and the value we place on the gospel and the kingdom of God is central because if we view that as an option for someone that might be helpful, but the real transformation is what happens 
in a, uh, you know, whether it's physical health or whatever sure. we give yeah. them, that's the real work. Right. And then spiritual life. Like, that's our culture, right? Is yeah. our spiritual life. Actually, I was down in Austin. We were talking about this. It, it's almost like a commodity, you know? Yeah, sure. It's like this thing that helps you. Isn't it may that not good, help good for you. you. Yeah. Buddhist yeah, yeah. works for you. Christianity sure, works sure, for you. Sure. If you want to, you know, and that's the kind of the ethic of our culture today. And right. so when we talk about helping people, it's like, it's okay if you want to have options. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's sacrilegious to secular culture to think that there is one option that really brings transformation. Yeah. Let me say something, because it's an interesting statement you just said. You said, you know, the ethic of our culture is basically, you know, what works for you kind of thing. But that's not the ethic of the whole world, right? It's yeah, the, that's it's, the, it's the ethic of the people probably listening to this podcast here, Western culture. But like last year, spent time in Indonesia and... Um, and the joy of it was a spiritual conversation is normal. Like yeah. everybody believes in the spirit world. It's just which direction are you going? It, and so the conversation was trying to bring it to the clarity of Jesus, the uniqueness of Jesus, the forgiveness of Jesus, and the hope of Jesus. Because I know that ultimately, not only for eternity, but for their real natural help in this life, Jesus is the only one that has hope. Uh, has the Holy Spirit given to us for wisdom and counsel. All the stuff you need is in the person of Jesus, the lifestyle of Jesus, and the life of Jesus. So it is not only my eternal, absolute clarity, but it is also even my natural desire to help them. They must find the kingdom of God through the person of Jesus and the word of God. So what's great about that is, is that many times in a Western context, we start thinking, well, the whole world really wants to separate and secularize. That is no, not, not true. So get out, whatever you're doing, get out of your box. And if you actually have a lot of ideas about caring for the poor and all this, why don't you go serve the poor? Why don't you go 30 days into the projects every day, interview the poor, find out what they really care about. I guarantee you they're more spiritual than your general secular American. And then why don't you travel where there's real poverty? Why don't you go in a slum and walk yeah. around uh, for a few days, as I've done many, many times, and then you tell me if these people don't want Jesus. <laughs> yeah. They want Jesus and they want help. And we have those answers as believers, so let's do it. Let's jump into it. Yeah, it's, a, it's funny you just, you, what you said, the irony of um, people get frustrated because they're like, all right, you're, you're imposing Western values, but that's what we're doing. We're imposing Western secularism yes. that is foreign to these cultures. <laughs> exactly. Like when I'm in the Muslim world, or yeah, when I'm with the poor, you have to try not to have spiritual conversations. Oh, like, you, yes. You can't avoid it. I get yeah. all the time. People are asking me stuff and, you know, it's just, it's part of their life and it's, we're trying to impose our value. Exactly. Which is really not who they are and they don't yeah. understand us. And that's the sentiment I get is not actually sure. a reaction against Christianity, though I'm sure that's there. That's always been sure. there, but it's really a reaction against the secularism we're trying to impose on them. So let me, let me kind of maybe, maybe end today with this is that. Um, everybody has a worldview and a religion, even if they wouldn't call it that. You have yeah. a philosophy and a worldview that you're working out of. The New York Times writer, I said to him, David, you're a secularist. You believe that we should divide our secular life from our spiritual life. And I said, that is not two-thirds of the world. They're not secularists, and I'm not a secularist. I said, I believe in an integrated life, my spiritual life, my natural life, and everything is aligned because I believe that's the way to live most healthy. Now, we have a worldview difference, but that doesn't make me evil and you good, right? So, so what I want to say to everybody listening 
is that if you're a follower of Jesus, be a follower of Jesus. Amen. In every area of your life, there is no divide between sacred and secular. Therefore, any conversation that tries to separate the work we do from the person of Jesus and the eternal hope in life that he provides is going to be deficient. Just pragmatically, it is deficient to separate a secular and a, a, from the sacred. And so let's learn to integrate it. Let's read the Bible, do it, and live uh, like those who believe it. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Passion and Purpose, a podcast with Jimmy Seibert and the Antioch Movement. For more information, please visit jimmycybert.com and antioch.org. We'll see you next time.